You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Welcome to the MLB Extras Detroit Tigers podcast. I'm Anthony Kashvitz. I'm joined by Tigers beat reporter for MLB.com. Jason Beck. Beck, how are you? Last time we did one of these together, uh, you had the sweet sounds of Starbucks in the background. It sounds a little quieter this time. Yeah, I haven't had my Starbucks yet, so we'll see how this goes. So it might be quieter, but it also might be a lot more dull and dry and boring. Yeah, you lose less you energetic. Lose that, uh, that, that atmospheric feel um, was a real highlight, I, I think, of the last time we did this. But that's okay. We will push forward. And uh, as the Tigers push forward in their rebuild, they are looking for a shortstop. Jose Iglesias is a free agent. What uh, what do you see developing there on the shortstop front for the Tigers? Well, uh, to paraphrase an old Rick Pitino phrase that you might remember, uh, you know, Manny Machado isn't walking through that door. <laughs> uh, but after that, the uh, that second tier of the shortstop market, it seems pretty open to them. I don't know if they're going to have uh, you know the, the first dibs on who's available just because that's not really where they're at. And they're not at that point where they're going to go into a bidding war for anybody. Right. But I think they'd be happy with anybody in that group of, you know, Danny Echeverria is a guy whose name has come up quite a bit. Um, You know, Freddie Galvis, I think is at right age where, you know, if he was looking for a, uh, you know, bounce back contract, a pillow contract, whatever you want to call it, yeah, he would be on their list. And uh, Jordy Mercer, you know, a guy the Tigers have seen actually quite a bit of from his Pittsburgh days, is uh, somebody on that list too. I kind of thought that given how much they've seen of Alcides Escobar, that he would be of interest. But they've actually almost seen too much of him because I think at this point, you know, th- there's a sense that at his age, he's lost a step or two and uh, – I think even on a one-year deal, they wouldn't really be, uh, you know, too interested in him. He might be a fallback option if the other three don't work out. But right now, they're looking at that that uh, mainly that three-man group in terms of trying to find one of those guys. If they can get one of those guys on a one-year deal and kind of bridge that gap before they're hoping Willie Castro or uh, or uh, you know Alcantara is ready, then then they'd be pretty happy. Yeah, and obviously, if you're not in the Machado market, it's more of a defensive-oriented shortstop market, which you know maybe for the Tigers is not a bad thing, just because when you're trying to, uh, you know, coax some young pitchers along, having them have some support behind them uh, can, can be beneficial. Yeah, and, and I made the point too in the in the uh, inbox I wrote on Monday that I think one of the things they're looking for more than anything is a proven veteran with solid defense because there's going to be so much youth and inexperience likely around them. You know, uh, you know, Jamer Candelario is still a guy who's racking up innings at third base. He just completed his first full major league season. Uh, Depending on what the market bears, they could end up with a veteran second baseman or they could have Nico Goodrum back as a stopgap. I think ultimately they see Goodrum as a, super utility guy, but he could, he's certainly starter worthy at second base for a stretch. Um, ultimately they're hoping to well Lugo gets, gets into that spot, but 
Uh, I don't know if they think Lugo is necessarily going to be ready out of spring training. They're leaving the door open for it. But even if he gets there, he's he's still learning second base. He's basically a converted shortstop at this point. Let's talk a little bit about the trade market. Uh, Nick Castellanos, uh, a year from now, he'll be a free agent. He made about $6 million in 2018 in his second round of arbitration. Has one more round to go. Made the full-time shift to right field in, in 2018 and saw his uh, you know his rate stats, batting average, on-base percentage, slugging percentage, all those went up in the year 2018. Does he uh, have much trade value in this market in light of what's out there in free agency? Is he a guy the Tigers are looking to move? Where are they at with that? Uh, they're kind of at a crossroads right now because he's got a year left on his deal. Um, he has a chance, depending on what he does in 2019, to be a pretty good bat on the free agent market. You know, all the, I mean, you know, all the signs point towards him. He should be valuable, but it's that defense and that search for a position where he looks comfortable and can put up something even you know respectable in terms of metrics, and and that's really been the the downside on him the last few years and they were hoping a move to right field would solve it. And it did his metrics in right field, which are a lot of other teams are going to be going on, you know, they're bad metrics, even though just when you watch him, it looked like he was making progress there at different points during the season. Um, so really they have to decide, and I haven't written it yet, but you know, basically they have to decide, do they make a major push to try to trade him and maybe even taking less than market value for him? Or do they hold on to him and then either try to sign him an extension, hoping that they can get production and then thinking that maybe he'll be in his prime years when this rebuild turns around and, you know, they're in a position to potentially contend in the division in a few years, or do you just play it out with him and, let him walk in free agency and potentially uh, recoup a comp pick and if he leaves on a, to another team. Now, the trick with that last option is you got to make him a qualifying op- right. offer. And as we saw this offseason, that qualifying offer is just under $18 million. You figure it's probably going to go up next offseason to where you're going to have to offer him essentially a one-year contract worth add or over 18 million to recoup a comp pick and you hope that he turns it down if you want to get the pick back i'm not entirely convinced depending on what that market's like that he necessarily turns it down there's no guarantee in that as we've seen in the last couple years you know there's more deliberation on those qualifying offers now than there was under under the previous cba i think the amount of money involved has put some legit contemplation into some players on this. Yeah, it has. And the only seven guys got the offer for a reason. The, the value equation has changed quite a bit to where uh, you, you worry about a guy taking it, quite frankly. You, you offer it hoping to get the draft pick compensation and worry about the guy taking that, that one-year premium for basically $18 million. Um, as far as Castellanos' position goes back, it just seems like in a vacuum, the, the perfect solution would be throw him at first base, you know, in, in light of the defensive metrics. But they, of course, have Miguel Cabrera at first base and doesn't seem like he's going to be a full-time DH anytime soon. Right, yeah. I think, you know, he wants to still play the field, at least some. And I think the Tigers, knowing his instincts and his ability to first base, feel like there's still value in playing Cabrera at first. You know, because you never know. There, There is still the off chance 
that the Tigers get to a point where um, they they end up having trade value in Cabrera, maybe when there's a few years left on this deal. And I, I think there would be more value in him if he if he shows that he can still play some first base. I think he's still a pretty good defensive first baseman. And I think what you saw over the summer is that, you know, they actually did miss his defense at first base, maybe in some games more than they missed his offense as they tried to rotate John Hicks and Nico Goodrum and Ronnie Rodriguez and Jim Medusi. And I'm probably missing some guys you know, around first base is that it's not an easy position to do. And if you have a bad first baseman, it makes the rest of your infield look bad because you're having a hard time converting those throws in the, in the dirt into outs or those throws that are wide into outs. And those are things that, that Miggy's pretty good at. And when you have a, a group of young infielders making those throws to first base, I think it's even more important that you have some reliability there. And, and plus, yeah, with Nick, they've been pretty insistent that he work on one defensive position at a time. I know that that kind of sounds like a gag, but what I mean is they don't, they don't want him rotating positions. They don't want him being a right fielder on some days and a first baseman on others. They want him to be able to focus on one position day in and day out so that he's not getting crossed up sometimes. So I mentioned Castellanos entering his final round of arbitration. James McCann is entering his second round of arbitration in year 2018. Uh, he made uh, $2.37 million, had a miserable year back uh, at the plate, um, a 581 OPS. Where are they at with McCann? The non-tender deadline for arbitration eligible players is November 30th. What are your expectations as far as McCann is concerned? Uh, you know, I think this could be a very interesting debate for them. You know, because you know, they have Jake Rogers on the way up. He's actually actually struggled with the plate as, with the bat as well at the Double A Erie, and again here in the Arizona Fall League. But his defensive skills are so up there that I think once he's ready, in ideally in, in a year, I think they're going to bring him up and at least give him a timeshare up there if not the uh, the bulk of the playing time. I, I think you know they, they believe he can have that much of an impact, even if it's almost entirely on defense. Um, so that leads you looking to bridge that gap until he's ready. And, you know, the, the struggles with McCann offensively have frustrated these guys so much. I think they're wondering if it's going to be worth that price to – stick with McCann, go through the arbitration process, and then uh, you know I either have him as a platoon guy or a backup once Rodgers is ready. Um, one, one factor to consider, you know, McCann came in bulkier than he was you know, in 2018 than he was previously. Um, you know, I think part of it was he was working out so much while he and his wife were going through the situation, you know, with their twin boys who were born last offseason, they went through some health issues and they spent a lot of the winter at the, the hospital before they could be released. Um, I think he took out a lot of stress in the yeah. weight room and ended up maybe even a little bigger than he anticipated and they ended up having an impact at the plate. And, and I think also behind the plate a little bit, um, you know, if he was honest about it. And, 
uh, you know, I don't know if he's going to try that same approach this off season, or she might try to get, uh, you know, some agility back and maybe some flexibility back that, that might benefit him at the plate. Um, you know, but you know, it's, it's going to be an interesting call. They also have Grayson Griner, who, despite being a, a massive six foot six human being, proved to actually be a pretty good defensive catcher and showed a little bit of pop behind the plate. So, you know, maybe a little bit more than they expected. So, you know, they have some options there. And, you know, the one thing about it is it's not a bad thing to have this many young catchers at a position where it's so hard for teams to, to find guys they can rely on. It's just, you know, is there somebody you can get defense and offense out of and somebody you feel like you can stick back there and say, this is my catcher for the long term, or even this, this is my catcher for 2019 in this case. Uh, getting back to the free agency, one last thing on that, Beck. MLB trade rumors came out with their free agent predictions, and they had DJ LeMayhew to the Tigers. Uh, of course, LeMayhew is a local product. He's from Birmingham, Michigan, went to Brother Rice. Um, so I guess it's a, uh, a regional fit, but uh, is it a baseball fit? What do you think? Well, yeah, I, I saw that, and, you know, two years at $10 million each, I'd be surprised if they go that far to, to sign a guy like that. But if LeMayhew snuck through the market, I, I wouldn't be shocked if they gave him consideration. Um, it's, you know, beyond being the local product, he's a gold glove defender again, and I think he, he, he could fall in that situation similar to what they're looking for at shortstop to where – if they could use second base to provide somebody proven to stabilize that infield, yeah, they might take it. They've got flexibility with Nico Goodrum being able to start him at short or second or any number of spots. I don't know if he'd be an ideal fit as a regular shortstop, but he can certainly do it. And I think it'd be a little bit easier if, if you've got a top-notch defender like LeMayhew you know, on the other side of him in the middle infield. Uh, it would certainly have some appeal for, for the fans. I, you know, they really haven't had a prominent local guy on the roster, you know, in a few years here. So it'd be interesting to see how, how that would play out. But, but again, you know, if you're looking at a long-term rebuild, you know, LeMahieu's 30 right now. If you figure it's going to take a few years, you're already looking at another year or so before you really start getting these pitching pro these top rated pitching prospects up into your rotation. If you figured it another year or two of a learning process before they really turn the corner, you know, that's two or three years before you're really looking at that, that window of contention. And then you're looking at, you know, a, a 32, 33 year old LeMahieu uh, at second base. Now, granted they were, they saw with Ian Kinsler before this year, the second baseman can handle that spot pretty, you know, pretty well at at that age if they work hard at it. You know, Ginsler won another Gold Glove in the American League at second base just this year, but it's I, I don't know if it's an ideal fit. But if he falls through the cracks and teams are lukewarm in their interest on him, he might be somebody they they try to get flexible to to, to fit in, just because you can make a case that he can help the uh, the rebuild. 
All right. Well, whatever happens with the Tigers moving forward in free agency and the trade market, Jason Beck will be all over it for MLB.com. But for now, we're going to go let him get his coffee. Beck, thanks for doing this. Yeah, thanks for thanks for uh, having me on. Hey, Rob Bradford here. You guys know I'm always up for a good MVP story. And one of the best stories is Wasabi Technology. Wasabi is the world's hottest cloud storage company, and it's become the go-to provider for professional and collegiate sports teams, including 20 major league baseball teams like the Red Sox and NHL teams like the Bruins and Vancouver Canucks. Even the Liverpool Football Club is getting in on Wasabi action. So why is Wasabi the MVP? Well, Wasabi was purpose-built to free businesses from skyrocketing storage costs and unpredictable transaction fees that the Amazons of the world are charging. In fact, Wasabi is up to 80% less than those hyperscalers and doesn't charge a cent for businesses to access their data. From Wasabi's AI-enabled intelligent media storage, Wasabi Air, to the industry's only cloud storage service with triple protection against cyber criminals, data deletion, and ransomware, Wasabi's taking the lead in driving innovation in data storage and helping sports teams to unleash the power of their data. Wasabi, another Boston-based championship team. 